1998, I founded the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. I did it because I had a few talented friends who needed a place to take their art to the next level. And because I knew there had to be more voices out there waiting to be heard. And because I wanted to go to an open mic where at least two out of three poems didn't suck. My name is Tracy Smith, and this is the KZU Slamcast. This is Slam Later, like, the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning. My ears reach the suburban noise of night. There's a question asked in one limited moment that never crossed into the I am the Smith. I am the poet. I am the Industrial Revolution. No longer bright as fireflies. The space between a line. As spiders crawl across my face, take this mind to another place and bind me like you do through your grace. Control and size me up inside. You still won't know what's in my mind. Cause I've got colors you can't find. Bacon special, bind me to my horny toad. Fingers laced with diamond eyes explode and rake the bottom of the dish. Gone in pallid liquids, caught a fish upon my silver string. My spool, my station changing tool, makes the warm liquid drool off the hungry man's chin. No, you can't win with that attitude. It only makes you come off as a rude individual. And you think you got an individual mind? Let's see what you can find. The space between the television is a narrow line. Don't let your mind be mistook. They tie you down, won't tell you what they took. Change your ways if and you don't get wise. Wise up. It's yours to build castles in the sand that grows 14 feet underground. Homeward bound to the soul. Let your mind know who's got the rocks and let it go to its final resting place. Dead man warns the rest, drowns his friends and wrongs his rights. In the movies, in the movies, you gotta move to know how it works. Contact buzz from sniffing life flies and calms the nerves. Like a secret Santa, I hear God's looking right at you. So connect and bind and find that love gone, gone. On a day like this. When I know his name, when I know who I'm talking about, I'll know where to send the blame. On a day like today, the flowers seem to say to me, don't go too far or you'll regret just what you did. I think that, that rose uh, have me peg. Beg I think that rose has me peg, begging me to wash my feet. No trotting on the sunset. Sometimes things have frowns on them and there's nothing you can do but turn the other way. Try to stay safe, try to stay sane. Oh, on a day like today, storm laughs down, take my breath away. Caught by the corners, I don't know, I don't know which way to turn, to turn my rust to gold, to save my soul, it stays to burn. No, it's nothing I can say, nothing I can see. The mirrors rob my mood, take it all away from me. No, I don't need a sunshine every day. When I wake up in the morning, my mind give me away. At God's great gift, his altar to the self, brings me back to find the path of inner wealth. It shines and sings my name. At the end of the rope, it all remains the same. The same old smile, the same old crooked grin. Oh, on a day like this, I can't help but win. Yeah? Okay. Okay. 
This section of the show is called Ill Poetry. I'm the MC, Illegal Substance. And the only thing illegal about the substance is the positivity and the poetry. Some of the most addictive material. Here we go. There's only so much time left. Why? Because a human gonna take his last breath. The end. No more friends, gone. Though you do go home. It's just this earthly shell, the skin and bones that's gone. Quiet as it's kept, if you can't learn to be yourself, you're closer to your last breath. You hear? Don't drop a tear for them that's not here. We in hell, I live in hell. They with the maker, life mover, life shaker, ultimate destruction maker. Cosmic rough earthquaker, beginning to end in creator. Death ain't gonna go away. What you think? Calgon gonna come pick you up and take you away? You better get like Sade. Cherish the day. This is real. Life and death is the deal. Good and evil is balance. Just depends on how real your real is real. But as far as this earthly shell, there's only so much time left. That's ill poetry. Roll it, smoke it, take it with ya. Live your life with ya. It's a war out here. Good and evil. Lucifer versus the Most High God. If you're blessed to open your eyes, you're alive. This is the war you live through. Check what men do. Destructive distractions between them and God that's sinful. Satan sucked me in too. My interpretation of the heavenly revolt is evil wasn't blessed to walk this earth. So out of envy, disperse hurt from birth. Now I haven't read the Corinthians nor the Philippians, but I know this war been going on for trillions, billions of limitless millenniums. I don't lie much. Neither do I cry much, but I've experienced much pain. Time for I to heal and change. Spiritually, physically, live life in God's eyes. This hip-hop ministry, lyrically I testify. We at war, casualties day and night. What for? Half don't even know to fight. What war? The war between the black and white? Uh-uh, the big war. The war between the dark and light. The war between the dark and light. Who feel they've sinned the sins of a thousand sins? Ready to start life over. I proclaim my now begins. Changes death and rebirth. Is heaven on earth true? Well, it will be when I find out and follow through on what I was sent here to do. But what can you do by yourself? Uh, better yet, who can you trust? Unconditional love make us all strong. That's the reason for dividing us. Separate the races from the races, the men from the women. Focus on the children. Look who's grinning, thinking the evil is winning. Destroying the minds young with ghetto-related commotions, poison potions, swimming in materialistic oceans. That goes for you and me. Can you see purity in a remedy? 
A dead end job starts finishing life from maturity to social security. That'll turn you against yourself. I don't even like myself. I need a hug and some love, a doctor or a nurse. It don't matter, just as long as it help. I'm singing my song before I'm gone. Gracefully, I yell, Father, forgive me, for I've been fooled by the angel that fell. We at war, casualties day and night. What for? Half don't even know to fight. What war? The war between the black and white? Uh uh. The big war. The war between the dark and light. The war between the dark and light. That was ill poetry. I'm sick of this drab, monotonous, mundane, strained existence. Full of schmucks and fucks and people looking to get laid. People talking about being true and following their hearts. People who have no idea what they want or who they really are. Hiding behind their friends. People never knowing, never caring if the means justifies the ends. People lost. People mumble grumbling along. Kicking the yip yip yipping of want at their heels. Bound to be trapped by a thing they hold most dear. Bound to forget a freedom found and diving headfirst into a cool, clear lake, splish-splashing along, young and free. Feeling the sand beneath their toes and forgetting what time it is and I'm scared. Scared to end up stuck in a rut, toiling in traces for a bone I gnaw alone in the cold, dark winter that will be Minnie's future. Scared to lose my soul. Scared to pour it all out only to have it spill onto the concrete street corner with its bells and whistles and tailpipes following people moving along to something more important. Something that will fill them up only to suck them dry. Leave them frail as rice paper once wet then dried and as bitter as the Mexican farmer who lost his crop because Americans decided that drugs were bad. <laughs> Leave them longing for the next quick fix band-aid. Another random string of self-centered egotistical events with which they fill their sniveling, meaningless lives and I'm tired. Tired of sitting alone at lunch and spending all my time with blank pieces of paper and coworkers. Tired of bullshit and head games and manipulation. Tired of seeing good people work themselves to death while fat cat assholes whose parents got their shit together ride down easy street carefree. And I want to run to go and see and be a gypsy lady with food in her belly and a song in her heart, a free spirit with a drum between her legs and a velvet tangerine sunset melting slowly behind her waist long locks. And I just might after I graduate. This is one of my brother's favorite poems. Um, he died of AIDS in July of 1996. It's very simple compared to all this other stuff, <laughs> but it makes me think of him. It's called Dust. Um, Agatha Morley, all her life, grumbled at dust like a good wife. Dust on a table, dust on a chair, dust on the mantle she couldn't bear. She forgave faults and man a child, but, and child, but a dusty shelf would set her wild. She bore with sin without protest, but dust thoughts preyed upon her rest. Agatha Morley, sleeping sound, six feet under the moldy ground, six feet under the earth she lies with dust at her feet and dust in her eyes. Thank you. 
Thank you, guys. Um, so I've been driving around a whole lot, and I heard from um, somebody, some of you may know, Jason Carney, who's from Dallas, and he said that Kalamazoo was the most fun spot on his tour. Yeah. Now, see, this is the end of my tour. I've been on the road for four weeks, and um, so I was looking forward to Kalamazoo. And um, anyway, I'm just going to start with um, something that I, I like to call uh, the best job I ever had. Let me know if the levels are all like My father is the eldest of nine children. My mother has been pregnant 11 times. And I, I am the recipient of a proud and fertile genetic legacy of virile heritage I will not squander. No, I will exploit my God-given gifts. I will succumb to biological urge. I will spread my seed. And moreover... I will be paid for it. <laughs> Jewish sperm donor wanted, said the ad. The classified ad I'd seen day after day in the back pages of the school newspaper nestled between housing and career opportunities. Now, this may not be a career opportunity, but it is the best way that I have found yet to pay my way through school. Because otherwise, I am just flushing money down the toilet and I want to make something of myself. I want to help infertile and same-sex couples experience the joy, the magic, the wonder of childbirth. See, I want to do some good on this green planet. But most of all, I mean most of all, I want to earn a living masturbating. <laughs> it's not easy, you know. There's a tough screening process. You gotta be in decent physical shape. You gotta have a passable genetic history. You gotta have a lifestyle that, relatively speaking, is on the up and up. But most importantly, I mean most importantly, you gotta have the numbers. We're talking sperm count, sperm motility, semen viscosity, and last but not least, overall volume. And so what if the long-term prospects aren't hot? I'm not about to let opportunity like this slip through my fingers. because this is the best job I've ever had. <laughs> you know, I used to get $50 an hour doing little kids' birthday parties, dressing in giant insulated purple carpet uniforms, donning a three-foot diameter head with no peripheral vision, sweating through my T-shirt underneath it all next to an open-pit barbecue, trying to wrangle a group of Lord of the Flies seven-year-olds into a rousing rendition of the I Love You song. Now see, that was good money. But this, this is even better. In fact, I think that this may very well be the best job I have ever had. You cannot love yourself too much. Now I get paid for exactly that. In a way, I am selling my body. But I am my own pimp. I am my own John, at least until I've provided, to use the appropriate lexicon. Then my semen hits the sales counter where it becomes a part of the global exchange. 
And I'm just glad that I can be a participant in this marketplace. Glad that I can be paid to form the beast with one back, the solo flex. And at these prices, I sure as hell intend to keep one hand firmly on the throttle. Because this is by far the best job I ever had. I extol its virtues, and yet my friends, when faced with the same income opportunities, demure, foolishly, wadding their fiscal potential in Kleenex and old socks. What if they say, what if you walk down the street a few years from now, see some kid that looks like you, what would you think? What would you do? And these friends, destined as they are to a life of poverty, cannot bring themselves, cannot bring themselves to feel, deal with this situation. But I will, I say, I will see that child that looks like me. I will note his brown ringlets, his pale complexion, it's no doubt poor vision. <laughs> and I will recall exactly exactly how it was that I used to earn a living. And I will smile at the child, nod at his mother or mothers, note the look of pride and wonder in their eyes. And I will say, nice looking kid. And I will walk away, secure in the knowledge that it really was the best job I ever had. Thank you. So now, follow me as we move along my career trajectory. Uh, Following that uh, job, which didn't cover tuition and fees, but did go a long way towards, you know, um, I don't know, miscellaneous expenses in college, I did graduate, and um, thank you. No, I swear, I only need three more units. No, um, I, I graduated, and um, I got a job uh, down in L.A. teaching English and creative writing in high school. I did that for the last year, and uh, not too long before that, of course, I was a product uh, of the LAUSD. So this is a poem based on that, um, that, that experience, and um, it's untitled. You may have heard that one before, All right. um, but it's untitled. I am sick of the track marks. I am sick of the blue-black bruises and other abuses that line the children who have crossed the peripheries of my life in 55-minute increments. And I am sick of them. Sick of them in the unforgiving bell that curves and kinks at its fetid edges. Sick of them in the buses of students bearing masses of brown and beige futures to a falsely promised land. And I am sick of them, the black beamers gliding toward the front of my school bearing their cargo of precious pink children. And, and I am sick of them here at this student juncture where tracks have long been laid and education is together but distinctly unequal. Here, where school officials multitask, multitrack, cajole, guide, and or railroad students into average, advanced, honors, and AP. Color diminishing up the ladder like returns on a public school system that once meant something, or at least the promise of something, whose buses were supposed to move children across tracks that real or imagined nonetheless deferred dreams by virtue of culture, class, and skin. 
And I am sick of the retrograde futures of my students' first shotgun memories. Sick of the self-fulfilling prophecies of administrators and educators who build altars at the temples of a system so broke it will soon run out of literate children to sacrifice. And I am sick of the classrooms full of average kids who think themselves too stupid for honors classes, but who, in reality, are just too poor or too brown for them. And I am sick of the cobalt smoke of the clattering buses, the flickering long-forgotten bulbs dying in overhead fixtures, the worn asbestos tiles, dull ochre walls, and permanently abrased floors of the classroom. And I am sick of the student parking lots that read like an entitlement program of modified sport utility vehicles, sailing Mustangs, and slammed Civics manned by barely post-pubescent AP snowboarders who, for all their stainines, don't realize which side of the class war they are on and never will. And I am sick of the Pledge of Allegiance still pledged at my school to allegiances never fully understood, to ideals never quite realized, to the cobalt haze of good intentions and an 80-minute ride on a bus whose promise gets its foot caught on the tracks, whose promise was to destroy the tracks, whose promise was to carve expectations from the muscled flanks of dreams. And I am sick of the railroad spikes of test scores. Because a train does not hop its tracks, does not alter course without being switched somewhere at some junction. Do not waver from the deviated course. This is the definition of tracks. This is the definition of tracked children. And the ramifications of tracking children have yet to be fully understood unless you pick up a history book. And I am sick. I am sick and I want to say sorry. Sorry to my students. Sorry to their textbooks gaping raw and urgent for a new interpretation. I want to throw down my roll books, throw down the levers, let the cars collide, let the tracks splinter and crack, let the spikes be rejected and pushed upwards by the angry and remembering ground, let every crossing gate malfunction, let the buses still be full. But the time has come. The time has come for this train to be derailed. And now, touring poet, shameless plug, Kadosh Singles, my chapbook, which looks like a package of cheese, and which I swear, promise that you will find out why it looks like a package of cheese by the end of the night. If you like what you hear, you can see me, I'm sitting right there, and um, purchase a lovely book, and I'm gonna read a short poem, and then a little longer one, and then a little shorter one. And this is called Equivalence. You are the blow pops at my rave. You are the breakbeats in my house. You are the crunch berries in my bowl. You are the genius plus jazz equals soul. You are the raisins in my challah. You are the reason Madonna does Kabbalah. You are the hundred dollar bill I find in a jacket I haven't worn in years. You 
are a free first-class upgrade. You are a personal growth industry. You are a ride on the Disneyland submarines way back when they had real mermaids. And maybe you knew this, but actually when they opened up the submarine ride at Disneyland, they had real mermaids or people dressed in mermaid costumes, um, but they had to take them away when they were becoming, when they were being sexually harassed. So uh, that's actually a true story. Um, at Disneyland, they were getting, say, well, so we know what happened to Ariel. Um, it's better under the sea. All right. Um, so, um, oh, that was a horrible joke. Um, along the same lines, I'm just going to go through this like, little mushy phase right now, so you're going to have to bear with me. But um, this is my Valentine's poem. And um, for Valentine's Day, and uh, actually, my Valentine's Day this year sucked. Yeah, fucking A. Woo! Fuck yeah. Um, and, and this poem explains why um, um, my recent like, ex-fiance, whatever, never wore a diamond ring. And it's not just because I'm a cheap bastard, but I, s I swear there actually is a, I swear there's a more poetically relevant reason. Anyway, it's in this poem. I do not believe in red roses on Valentine's Day. And I do not believe in diamond engagement rings or getting hammered and kissing on New Year's Eve. I will love and I will promise and I will drink on my own time, thank you very much. And I do not need a holiday to prove my love for you. The morning declares it daily. And diamonds by De Beers offends my sense of individualism and also that sense that you... Well, I mean, sure, I constantly subscribe to certain arbitrary and artificial social conventions like shaved legs. And sure, I wholeheartedly embrace others like shaved armpits. But diamonds, diamonds are where I draw the line. The two-month salary guideline can kiss my ass because as far as I'm concerned, you are more than a pretty rock on a shiny ring. And I will spend more than two months. I will spend everything I have for you. But it will never be a diamond and I will imbibe when libations suit me and I will kiss whom I want to kiss where and when it feels right and right now it feels like you and if by a stroke of luck the stroke of midnight New Year's catches my fancy then I will wrap my arms around you and kiss you like it is going out of style because I don't believe in style any further than I can throw it and if I could I would throw you for a loop just because I could but I can't and we both know it and we both know I don't believe in capital R roses or capital E engagements but I will engage you every way I can. And if I can't, I will try. I will try. I will keep on trying. You will never say die. I will never ask why. And I like the Budweiser frogs as much as the next guy. But I will never drink their beer. And diamonds by De Beers offends my sense of individualism. And also that sense that you kindle and rekindle within me over and over and over again so that I will dispense with the love poetry and the red, red roses. 
and I will buy you a yellow tulip or pluck a hyacinth from my neighbor's garden. And you'll be my hyacinth girl. And we will drink when it is not New Year's Eve. And we will kiss when it is not New Year's Eve. And the throes of this love will bind us in a promise that doesn't need a ring. All right, um, I gotta get a couple more for you guys. Uh, well, let's just do this one because uh, it's real new and it's in keep. It's kind of along the same lines as the last two mushy poems, but um, it's a little different, mainly because this one was written after we broke up. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, and this is also entitled. It's, uh, it's, it was, it's still handwritten. This is the Xerox handwritten. Because never keep only one copy of your poems. That's a recipe for disaster. You see, I never know which way I should go through. Anything. I mean, I could go like big and funny, serious, like, like all like mushy. I don't know. So right now I'm trying to sort of mix it up. We'll see. When I don't know what to say, when I am speechless, when the silence that spreads through the space in my mouth grows fat, when I see you and my tongue grows hairy, when the space between us is a Hemingway story and our apartment a stop-motion film, I remember. I remember how once whole pages would leap from my throat, cling to the curling madness of your hair. I remember our shared syllables, the lingua franca of our skins, the grid of language upon which we laid those skins. I remember in school learning sound is moving air. I remember moving air can move things. The sound of your voice could move the hairs on my arms, my heart in its box, my eyes in their waterways. Where once air played host to a remarkable symphony of gloriously sensuous sibilance, assonance, and fuck me now, onomatopoeia. <laughs> Where the space between us once fluttered and buzzed like epileptic butterflies. It sits silent now, cold as Khrushchev. Where once we laid claim to this air. Where once we hoisted the undulating flag of our micronation on our fingers, declaimed it wildly to all who would listen, rode through the night like Paul Revere to Vegas to show once and for all that we meant business. We now pen monologues to past to possible lovers, to the atmospheres between us, to shared solitude. And it is at these times that I despise the written word and its false promises of power. Sometimes only a nuzzle, sometimes only a face slap, sometimes only a fuck you, Eitan, will mean anything. And it is at these times that I wish I could think of something, anything to say to you. That I could scrawl, I love you, across the flat page of your stomach. That our bodies could form villain wells. That our lives could once more be lived in free verse. That we could forever dispense with the pen and the page and this poetry. And it is at times like these that poetry is a crock. It is at times like these that poetry is a crock pot my mom once gave me. <laughs> you know, 
used once, crusted over, <laughs> stored, useless, rusting at the back of my shelf. Two more, two, how about, two, 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 three. All right, I got, I, I got enough, I think. All right, so we'll do this one. I'll do two more for you. Um, usually, I like, I, I'd normally probably try to mix something up in between these, because they're, I don't know, it's been a while since I got really spastic on the stage, so. Um, both these are kind of high energy uh, fiascos. The only reason that being out that I haven't like gained like 50 pounds just sitting in my car all day uh, for a month is that I perform most most every night. So that's kind of keeping me, um, keeping me like sweating. So this is called Waiting for Isaac. And um, did I read this at the Green Mill when you were there? Okay, well, I'm not gonna read that one tonight. So I just have a limited time, but you guys are, are a cool audience. And oh, I wanna share this. So I was in Austin about three weeks ago for South by Southwest and um, yeah, if you can go to South by Southwest as a performer, I highly recommend it. And there was a band there that I didn't see. They were just, they had posters up all over um, one of the clubs. They were, I guess, a local Austin band, The Scabs. And they had the best rock and roll poster I've ever seen. It's like eight feet long, black and white picture of The Scabs with the following caption. It's your world, and we're here to rock the shit out of it. So... <laughs> Anyway, I, I like that. It was a good kickoff. Um, so this is Waiting for Isaac. I was desperate. I was dry like the Kalahari, barren like Sarah, waiting for Isaac, for the birth of a word that seemed just out of reach. So I looked to books. I thought, hey, I could slum it like Bukowski, live large like Elliot, drink it up like Kerouac, die like Teach. Rosy and tubercular, die like class. Rosy hues, asphyxiated, smoke it like Ginsburg, bomb like Corso, oh, that, yeah. Only more so. I realized quickly what was wrong. I was too sheltered, I was too comfortable, too warm, too dry, a happy pea ensconced in my posh pod. My life was too normal. I needed to take action. I needed to fuck shit up. Yeah. So I slept with your sister. <laughs> and you broke up with me. So I didn't go to work. I got fired. Couldn't pay the rent, and I got evicted. So I couldn't really study, and I failed out of school, so I didn't pay attention in my Dealer sold me a bag of $60 catnip. <laughs> so I took up Mountain Dew sports, like skydiving and mountain biking, and I broke my collarbone, and it wasn't enough. I slept on the sidewalk, it wasn't enough. I slept in the gutter, it wasn't enough. I slept in the gutter on street sweeping days. <laughs> I blow dried my hair in the bathtub, I ripped the tag off my mattress. I slept with your sister again. Got crabs, but it wasn't enough. 
I ate nothing but Denny's. And Waffle House. I burned all my CDs, except for Morrissey. I danced with the least convincing pre-op transsexual in the room. I masturbated to Angela Lansbury. But it wasn't enough. I started smoking, it wasn't enough. I drank till my liver froze up like an old car, it wasn't enough. Snorted speed with too jittery old a pen, shut smack, was too content to care, smoked crack in people's park, and was arrested. And it wasn't enough. I polluted the air. I lettered the streets. I bought a sport utility vehicle. I sold vitally important national security documents to indiscriminate nations. I melted the polar ice caps, flooded coastal cities around the world, caused pestilence, climate change, disease ran rampant. My life became a living hell as I made the whole goddamn world suck. And it wasn't enough. Because I am still waiting for Isaac. Because I am still waiting for laughter, for a progeny that will live on when I don't. Because I am still waiting for Isaac for a rebirth of wonder, and for the intervening hand of a God I never believed in the first place to make it happen. We've got one Final poem in the set. Earlier this evening, I held up my chapbook. I said, please buy this book because I need gas money and food money, and that would be nice. And, um, <laughs> and, and it's really about the poetry. You know, I, 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 please buy this book. And it, it was a book that looked like a package of cheese. Some people were in Chicago this summer. They saw me perform this next piece. They know why this book looks like this. Um, the only thing about Slam, though, is you get three minutes, and that's like a four-and-a-half-minute poem. So now you guys get the unexpurgated, slowed-down version of the same work. All right, so last work of the evening. You guys kick ass. Um, let's put this down. If you like it, come see me. And uh, this last work is called America. It's got to be the cheese. All right. Now, my book looks like that, right? That's because everybody writes about America. And everybody paints America. Because from Jasper Johns to Allen Ginsberg, they are all looking for the same thing. 
searching for the real America, the one that lies under the costumes and the war paint, the one that lies under the Seinfeld and the Springer, under the bad porn and good Lakers basketball. And I, I am no exception, except that one night, late last week, I actually found it, this elusive America in the dairy case at Kroger's Market, lurking beside the Jacks and the Cheddars, Gouda's, Swiss's, Stilton's, Jarlsberg, Whole Parmesan, Ricotta's, and myriad other imported and domestic cheeses. There! It beckoned. Suddenly, an immaculately wrapped, unbelievably orange package of American pasteurized processed cheese food glory. God bless this country. We pasteurized, we processed, we manipulated this cheese until it suited our purposes. <laughs> this was engineered cheese. This was American eugenics. This was the scientific method at work. Jonas Salk, Albert Einstein, Copernicus. This was smooth, no lumps, when melted technology at work. The light bulb, phonograph, Model T, radio, internet, television, Nike Air, Reebok, pump, rolled into one. <laughs> and all for $2.99. I was so moved. I broke into the Pledge of Allegiance right there and then. I bought Charlton Heston's autobiography. Yeah. Became a daughter of the American Revolution. Oh, God. Oh, God. How I long to be wrapped in gold and singles of American cheese drizzled in its salty goodness. Oh, God. Strip me, strip me naked and cover me head to toe in golden pre-sliced singles of this food of the gods. Cover me and put me in a sauna so that the cheese will melt. And when it does, it will melt evenly over every square inch of my body. Rivulets of warm cheese will run down my face like tropical rain. Caress my body with the lasting wetness of a lover's mouth. Oh. Take me, take me and dip me like fondue into your vat of silken American cheese food products. Scoop it onto me like a nacho and let it cool like a second skin, a pasteurized, processed second skin. Oh, God, cheese food. I will use it for everything. For breakfast, melted on an English muffin. For lunch and a sandwich with processed lunch meat, processed salad spread on processed white bread. For dinner, obliterating my broccoli at bed on my toothbrush so my breath will be cheesy, American, fresh. In the morning, I will wash my face with, in the morning, I will gargle with it and wash my face with the congealed vat of the stuff I keep on my sink and smear on like Noxema. I will cook my girlfriend romantic dinners in which every course will consciously and creatively utilize and emphasize this, our most holy of sacraments. And, and, and when the dinner is over and we hit the sack, we will have a new lubricant, fuck KY. We have a tube of Velveeta for when the going gets rough because it's got to be the cheese. America. America, America, land of the free, it's got to be the cheese. 
home of the brave. It's got to be the cheese. Land of possibility, of opportunity, and of the certain unalienable rights of manifest destiny who killed Emmett Till. It's got to be the cheese who crucified Matthew Shepard. It's got to be the cheese who trained and armed Latin American torture squads. It's got to be the cheese who shot JFK, J.R. Ewing, J.C. Penney. It's got to be the cheese, the My Lai massacre, 41 shots, internment camps, the WWF, Kurt Cobain, Jerry fucking Lewis. America, it isn't funny anymore. America, it isn't funny anymore. The hydrogen bomb, the neutron bomb, engineered death in pantyhose. Mom. 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 The flag. And apple pie. Mom. The flag and apple pie. I said, America, it's got to be the cheese. <laughs> Thank you, thank you guys, and I'm gonna go see a crazy freaky slam now. So, uh, thank you guys very much. Alrighty, Kalamazoo, it's your world. Did he rock it or what? Right on, we're gonna take a little bit of a break, maybe five, maybe 10 minutes, 10 minutes. Ten minutes, enough time to buy a beer, smoke a cigarette, take a leak, and then we'll be back with the best slam you ever fucking heard. All the slammers, I want them up here by the stage. Jeff's got a couple things he wants to ask you about. All the slammers, come on, up here. show you something beautiful. Something about all, all of us. You arrogant son of a bitch. You think you're the only writer that can give me that Barton Fink feeling? I got 20 writers under contract I can ask for a Fink-type thing from! 